Bear Hardcore Radio, exploring the world's best hardcore punk and all the various subgenres. For the next two hours we will enter a world apart from the rest. The time is now. What's up with that? Let's start jamming. The song is called The Frostbreaker! Thank you very much, Seattle. We're out of here. Peace.
from Dallas, Texas. I hope we see you next time. You're the best, Washington. Thank you. What's up? You're listening to episode 105 of Dead Air Hardcore Radio. I'm your host, Trevor. If you haven't listened to the show before, just give you a quick rundown. We're a two-hour radio show that revolves around hardcore, punk, metal, and all the adjacent genres. We basically uh, focus on all new music, if and when possible. Um, We don't subscribe to nostalgia. We try to uh, get new, undiscovered bands and uh, just like talk about the music. It's all about the fucking music. Um, So we started off with music from Power Trip, Crossbreaker, um, off their live record that they recorded in May of 2017 i believe and they released in june um if you haven't heard the news um it's been over all over everywhere um unfortunately the vocalist as of uh yesterday uh riley gale has passed away um passed away roughly uh tuesday night of the 24th um i'll just read a little bit of uh what the band had to say to uh Dear Power Trip fans worldwide, it is with the greatest of sadness we must announce that our lead singer and brother, Riley Gale, passed away last night. Riley was a friend, a brother, a son. Riley was both a large, a larger-than-life rock, larger rock star and a humble and giving friend. He touched so many lives through his lyrics and through his huge heart. He treated everyone he met with met as a friend and as he took as, sorry as he took care we will celebrate riley's life and never forget the works of music charity and love that he left behind you the fans meant so much to him please know how special you are if you have a memory of riley please share it and no matter how small as we remember him please respect our wishes and privacy during this time in lieu of flowers Please send uh, donations to Dallas Hope Charities. The link uh, to donate directly. Um, You can go to the Facebook on there. Um, It's very, um, it's very sad. This band from, uh, if you haven't listened to Power Trip from Texas, um, they definitely have changed the landscape of metal and hardcore over the last 10 years. And in my opinion, was going to be up there with literally the big, th- the big four of thrash metal. Um, we're going to, uh, I think we're go- we're going to have a uh, 
small tribute um in just a in just a second uh we're going to we're going to bring it over to uh my friend ian reese who was who's on metal shop and uh just just to say a few words um about riley also before we get to that real quick just uh say that uh this week's guest is uh catherine from the band Fom, who lives here in tacoma in the tacoma area but uh band is in uh kind of the rest of the band is in denver we're gonna just talk a bit a little bit about how that um dynamic works they have a new record titled hollow hope coming out on safe inside records on august 28th but real quick before we get to the rest we're gonna uh bring it over to ian real quick all right um it's been a very long time but uh i'm on the line with ian reese the other half of metal shop we have kevin always reaches out to me to like hit to to come and do this but i don't i see i've seen ian more in person over the last few years just due to work and other and other stuff um but i haven't had you on the show in over three in about three years like since we made the switch from uh good old auburn washington uh it's been that long yeah it's been that long so so the last the last time uh was when you and kevin came over and kevin every time we go on a air like go on a song break um he had put me in a goddamn chokehold or do or try some (laughs) other wrestling move on me yeah he's the wrestler and i'm just trying to make sure the show uh goes smoothly but you know here's the other thing this is the first time i've i've done an interview since this quarantine started and I will fully admit that I am not wearing pants. <laughs> that's a, that's okay. <laughs> but dude, it's so good to talk to you. First of all, before we even get into this, uh, I want to uh, congratulate you and also thank you for keeping dead air uh, alive all these years, man. If you keep it up for a few more years, that this program is going to hit fuck man, 20 years, <laughs> just a few more years that it, it would be, it'll be a 20 year, um, Run, long running show i'll say we'll is have party uh, if you know we can ever be in the same room again yeah if we can ever actually make this work when this is all over yeah i, w- I definitely maybe a little less wrestling moves on me but um yeah good luck with that <laughs> yeah we'll yeah we'll see but uh i brought i brought you together uh i brought you on air just to talk a little bit um about riley gale uh because um you yeah. host metal shop, I do hardcore, you do metal, and right. Power Trip has been extremely influential to both worlds and has helped um really bridge a gap. Um I've I talked about it a little bit, just like seeing like early shows of them playing with other metal bands and like seeing the crowds sometimes not really get along with each other. But every yeah. every time they would come back to Seattle, it's like the two crowds started to really somewhat find find some sort of commonality. Yeah, there's a, there every time they'd come back, there was a little more coalescence and a little more understanding between. And look, like this is not new, you know. Uh, crossover is one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest genres because for that for that specific reason of bringing some understanding. But also, it's like, uh, what's that hatred, like purified in violence? <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> everybody, you know, learns from each other 
a little bit at a time. What I did want to uh, mention while we were talking about Riley, like I got to meet Riley twice, and it was in the same day. And it was that show in 2018 at Numos where they actually recorded that that live record that came out last year, that 2018 live album. And so when they came up, they came up to Metal Shock, or not, sorry, they didn't come up, Riley came up, and he came up by himself. And uh, one thing that I noticed about Riley, and it's weird, like, sometimes you meet someone and you just click like you've known each other for a million years. He was the chillest dude, so uh, like intuitive and supportive. At the moment, I think he was glad to be away from his bandmates for a second. <laughs> you know, you know what it's like being on tour and uh, just getting a break from your band and whatnot. But he came up to the radio station, and we parked our car outside downtown Seattle. And he's like, "Hey, man, is it cool if I roll a blunt up real quick?" <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. So he just opened the hatchback of my car, rolled a blunt, rolled a blunt right in front of the station, and smoked a big fat blunt before we walked back in there. And we were like, he, it's like he, had, it's like I'd known him forever. Sometimes you meet somebody and they're just a down individual. And um, today, like, okay, so yesterday when I found out what happened, uh, I was hanging out with uh, one of my best friends here on the last day of his vacation. He goes man, did you hear about the guy from Power Trip? And I just looked at him like, you, you better not say what I think you're going to say. And he goes, yeah, dude from Power Trip died yesterday. And it, dude, my jaw hit the floor. And it was not cool, man. It kind of fucked me up a little bit. And uh, for, for having only met him twice, uh, that dude and I exchanged phone numbers. Riley and I exchanged phone numbers that day he was here. And... Um, Aside from being like the most bouncy ass, energetic fucking frontman I've ever seen in my life, he was also a super cool dude. And he would text me every once in a while because we had exchanged numbers and just be like unsolicited, be like, "Hey man, how are you doing?" And I'd look at my phone and go, "Are oh, you got to be fucking kidding me? That's like the coolest thing ever." And during this quarantine, when all the protest stuff was going down on Capitol Hill, he sent me a text and was like, "Hey man, I hope you guys are doing well in Seattle." And so for a dude that's been meeting so many people in a band like Power Trip that was on such a meteoric rise right there, I mean, that's pretty undeniable, right? Absolutely. They were the uh, on Metal Shop, Nightmare Logic was our number one album of 2017. And uh, it was a pleasure to be able to talk to and meet that guy and seeing all the adulations pour in from like Anthrax, Slipknot, Breed, Lamb of God, and everybody like knew him and understood like you said, he was a hardcore kid, and they became like a really awesome, super influential crossover thrash band. And I just like, I, I'm still at a, at at a at a complete loss. And like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I got a little weepy yesterday, Trevor. That's a that's a hundred percent okay. It's just, it's it's a very hard thing. Like when you talk when you you like you talk about people in in the in the present and like like it wasn't even that long ago that i was talking um you know about the live record that that like recently came out and just um that i've always wanted to do an episode and just talk about how this band was like on its way to being like one of the most influential like 
thrash bands of uh, of our and crossover bands they, of they our generation. Have, they might have already done it. I think, in fact, I will I will put my foot down and say, yeah, they of over the last decade, especially, man, that band brought together so many people and so many bands, and they bring together uh, different types of crowds, like you said, and maybe at first, you know. You're going to see a push muncher punching a hardcore kid in the face and vice versa. But over time, you know, people start to learn and start to respect new parts of our subculture, which is easy and hard to say because it's like, oh, no, I like black metal. No, I like black and doom thrash fucking whatever the hell it is, you know, and everybody's got their own little subgenre. But what I did see every time Power Trip played and every time Riley got up there and had something to say everybody kind of be nodding their head be like fuck yeah this band fucking rules and i feel so bad for the rest of the band and obviously we don't know what happened yet i mean i i can kind of guess but you know uh that dude and the, here's the other thing and here's maybe the last thing that i'll kind of iterate on, on this whole topic is like he and i were the same age and so it kind of uh it's bizarre, like, wrestling with this is like wrestling with your own mortality. And a dude who was, first of all, on a quick aside, all the biggest heavy metal dudes are, like, five foot three. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like Scott Ian, uh, Kerry King, all the, the Dio, they're all just little dudes. And Riley was a little guy who was eight million fucking feet tall. You put that dude on a stage, that guy will command and did command everything. And the last time I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I did a stage dive two years ago and broke my back in half. Oh, (laughs) he straight up landed on a staircase and his back half. And so I know that he was still jumping around like a fucking maniac. And I know he was a lot of pain. And I, you know, I'm not going to speculate, but man, I, I know that this is just such a devastating hit. I've seen people from all kinds of dark corners popping out, being like, yo, Riley, fuck. And so it's a testament to his legacy to have been able to touch so many people and just be a fucking down-ass person, a really just a good human. You know, he was leaning a little, you know, their politics are fairly clear. But, man, like, I, uh, the first time I met him, it's like I'd known him forever. The guy was a fucking stand-up dude, and uh, it just sucks, man. This is This is really shitty, and so I just want to reach out and – Anybody who's hurting about it, you should be. And also as a musician and as a human being, you got to know that, man, like, sometimes and walk out the street and you fucking bust. You got to be good to your people and just be a good fucking person. And Riley definitely was. And, uh, you know, man, I'm just going to raise a glass and fucking say rest in peace, Riley. Yeah, we're, this It's a real shock and it's really sad, man. Super, super sad. Well, yeah, no, just condolences to everyone that's hurting out here. Anyone who's, you know, have been hi- highly involved in, uh, you know, Power Trip family, people who have just, uh, you know, seen, been with this band from the very beginning. Um, yeah, I mean, they... Uh, Power Trip like forever, they, man. Power Trip forever. Amen. They, they saw my Tim Butcher forever pin, and they gave me a free t-shirt because they were like, Tim Butcher's a fucking guy, if you know him from Pressure and from, from Southern California. And uh, he was on their first tour, and they, they had connections to the Northwest, like a lot of connections to the Northwest, even though being from Texas. And they were fucking road dogs and road warriors. 
and they did the work. They were hardcore kids. They were punks. They were fucking metalheads. And they were like a shining example of how to do this thing right. And for them to be dealing with this right now is just, man, it's a kneecapper. And so, you know, thoughts, tease, we could, we'd always say T's and P's, man. Thoughts and prayers. T's and P's for to the family. For, for real, and though. And like, um, you know, they, the last few times they they played in the Pacific Northwest, they played um, at Numo's, which is on the block that I that I have helped secure for the last few years. And they've always been super cool. The security staff, like the band itself and like hit and like given like free shirts and merch to the people over at lost Lake that wanted to come and see the show. And like, it was so cool. Like uh, around October ish, when they came the entire, the entire, the entire staff had power trip merch, like at, um the comet and lost lake like yeah whether they purchased it or it was given to them like everybody was everybody uh everybody around me was rocking power trip merch and i was like this is so fucking cool yeah, I, because they knew how to take care of their own and like like i said riley uh it's not like he knew where he came from he knew how to do this right and not only that he was the fucking awesome lyricist a really deep thinking guy and that band fucking rips. Oh, yeah. And they were on a meteoric rise, dude. They were poised to be the next, you know, fucking fill in the blank. And it's just, uh, I mean, what do they say? It's better to fucking burn out than to fade away. And that's really kind of a crass thing to say. But, man, like, uh, that band cemented their legacy by putting in the fucking work, putting the legwork. They did the shitty tours. They did the van tours. They did the West Seattle or the West the Legion Hall circuits and this and that and the the small clubs. And they were on their way up. And man, I'm just heartbroken, heartbroken. But they're they're gonna forever live on as fucking as fucking legends in this scene. They're the they will never no I they'll never be forgotten in the Northwest. They'll never be forgotten by hardcore. And and also I'm like super thankful for you to like put some spotlight obviously it's a relative you know a, a brand new shocking like jaw-dropping news story but thank you again for like spending some time and talking about him and that legacy and uh aside from just riley it was to a macro scale for me we're like that's some down-ass diy motherfuckers who put that shit they put their time in and they earned it and they were working for it and i just man it's so fucking sad yeah unfor- it's a it's unfortunately i was uh, i'm like with a lot of people, unless I've I've hit them up on the show, I'm I'm more of a shy guy. So I I I sit back and relax and watch the and watch the show and don't and don't like to bug people. But I can always tell when something when something is genuine just from like just from like watching it and getting to watch it so many times. And also just uh, talked about it a little bit before we started um, recording that freaking uh, when they played Highline in 2016 and they in seattle and they literally played um it was three or four times they played the intro the intro to the outburst uh the outburst intro and See, that's exactly what i'm talking about they know where the fuck they came from they did they, they knew their homework they they were down ass fucking oh like they weren't just this wasn't a, just a joke man these motherfuckers are serious and they and it showed and uh 
I mean, 2020 has been a shit show, obviously, but man, this is just, I don't know, a shitty cherry to put on top of everything. Else. Oh yeah. No, it's, it is definitely, it is the two. There's so much to process with everything happening almost every, every day. And it's like, with this music is like the one is some sometimes for people the one thing that they have so when something happens in the music community it get that gets even worse because like this is something that this music is something we cling on to in these in these type of times having done metal shop for so long like knowing and like i'm not trying to disparage anybody but there'd be a lot of fucking pantera yeah man People who don't understand, people who never listened to Minor Threat, you know, people who never knew who Dag Nasty was or any of that shit. And they were all huge Power Trip fans. And what it did is, like you said, to, just to round this out, it, they, that was a band that brought people together with some fucking banging riffs and some fucking rad lyrics. And that band fucking crushed it. And the fact that he's not going to get to see the heights that they fucking deserved is just so, so disappointingly sad. And, you know, again, anybody who's hearing this, man, like we're, we're with, I know Trevor's bummed out about it. We're all bummed out about it. I've seen everybody fucking post about it. I haven't said shit about it yet. Cause I'm still kind of processing it. But thanks for letting me talk this through. At least just for a minute with you. Uh, no, absolutely. A loss for one in the, in this community is a loss for all. And it's just, it, and I, I just appreciate you taking the time to just come and talk about it. Cause the, obviously it's so new, but I was like, I, I was at the, I was at the ER last night. Um, so I was just like, th- I was thinking about it. My friend, my friend's okay. It was just, it was just some minor, yeah, minor well. stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. And the, my, my roommates at work right now, but like, uh, they're, also also just like thinking about that and i've been thinking about how to i still haven't um had also on my own and have i've i haven't put uh closure to my own like uh i've had family a uh, few family members pass and we because of um you know financial situations and other stuff i never got to properly mourn and take and uh actually do funerals and also during that time um exactly. we had to deal with some other family we had to deal with some really insane family stuff i talked to this about with kevin last time he was on and just like so like every time i we lose somebody in the in these communities it's it I, i'm i had it's a hard time just like it's catching up and, and getting that clo- yeah. getting that closure especially getting older i've um uh, me and me and ray lost some uh lost a friend who was like a a regular in capitol hill who was like a super positive person in our in our lives and so it's just like this this whole thing like even if it's just like even when it's casual but like the the smallest things can make a huge huge impact even though i didn't get to talk to riley like his because we're dealing man, with so much every time we lose somebody it compounds and it compounds onto something else and like this shit is getting harder and harder so at this point in my opinion there's no better time to get together and we've got to support each other through this shitty time that we're dealing with, you know? Absolutely. That's why I'm so glad that you're taking the time to talk about this issue and not just Riley, but like on a macro scale too, like I said, like we just got to look out for each other and who knows what he was dealing with in his head 
And here's the other thing. If you're involved in punk and hardcore or metal, you're probably a little fucked up in the first place. Yes. I know. I I know most of us are. And so we just got to look out for each other, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect way to end this, get on with the rest of the show. Um, Anything else you want to say in, in closing before I get on with the rest of the show, Ian? I want to tell you that I love you. Thank you for uh, keeping this going. Heavy music's got to survive somehow, and hopefully someday we'll come out of this on the right side. And I look forward to punching someone in the face in the pit again. Yeah, all, all with love. All with love. Yeah. I'm, punch you with love. Yeah, Here's punch love. I'll put, Dude, yeah, I might, I, I'm, I've gotten into my 30s, and I think I was like, sometimes I feel like this has woken me up. Like, you know what? I'm okay with having my back hurt in the morning. If I, I'll go, I, if there, if the band is, if it's something I want to mosh to, um, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to get off my ass and fucking do it. Um, hey, but also, yo, obviously rest in peace, Riley power trip forever, man. And anybody who got their head down, stay up. Cause you, uh, you got a lot of other good people in your life. You know what I'm saying? So let's just stay in this together. Keep the faith. Never forget the struggle. Never forget the streets. Hell yeah. Um, you know, war, war zone, outburst, power trip, much love. Amen. Trevor, I love you guys, and, and good luck with the rest of the show tonight. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. With the urgency of that, I just want to make sure we got that out. Another just quick shout out to Ian. Um, check out Metal Shop um, on the almighty KISW when uh, – you know when they when they're able to come back because uh without those dudes we would not (laughs) without kevin and ian dead air would not exist um so we're gonna um go quickly to our next interview but we're gonna do a quick music break Um, we're gonna play music from tuning a band a, a melodic hardcore band from oakland california um they have a new record out titled defining the purpose um it's out now check it out get on vinyl if you there's a lot of melodic and like emotional hardcore coming out right now which is really cool um and we're gonna talk on that in just a little bit and then we're gonna play um a track from fom's new record hollow hope we're gonna play division avenue um and then we're gonna get to our interview you're listening to dead air two hours hardcore radio
Dead Air Your Martian. All right, this week's guest, uh, we have Catherine from the band Fom. They uh, have a record coming out on Safe Aside Records, um, August 28th, titled Hollow Hope. Um, Denver, Colorado band by uh, the way of uh, Tacoma, because uh, technically um, Catherine lives like literally down the street from th- literally the studio, I believe. Um, Catherine, how are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, well, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing as good as I can with the state of the world right now, but pretty good. Yeah. The, yeah, that's... Uh, 
<laughs> the, that's a pretty uh, good way to say it. It's it's an interesting like you said, having to say like, oh, how are you doing? That's a loaded question for like specifically 2020, like yeah. because you can it's it's really easy to go to the surface. Oh, I'm fine or I'm good, but yes. there's there's a lot happening. Um, I mean, good things is your re- your records coming out and it sounds yes. <laughs> and that and sounds good and it's it's I'm I'm really excited um for this to come out it's streaming on uh, Stereo Gum right now and uh I've got to listen to that and then I've read over I I don't think they they don't have the lyrics for the other songs on the Stereo Gum right I know they have the lyrics yeah. for the st- for like the two songs that are already on your Bandcamp I think yes yeah. so and it's uh it's uh, honestly it's like it's another band that's just like politically charged and keeps it very relevant um for what for uh what's going on and like it's just a like in, it's very genuine and important and not just a uh because like the fights for basic human rights is always is always happening it always yeah. continues it doesn't this do, this stuff doesn't go away just because something has happened in the news that has shed light does not mean in like this is um this nothing has been happening and um stuff like this will continue to happen if we if we don't um live in a in a constant fight in a constant struggle um one thing the a lyric from um from one of your songs, uh, Jim Crow lives on in this system is it's super powerful. And your voice honestly delivers it very well. Like I, I dude, the, the quality of this record is, is, um, is huge. It's a really big sounding record. And, but like that in itself is super, it's great. It's, um, very important. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I, I um I read that book um New Jim Crow last year um while we were on tour in Europe and um it's just it's it I don't want to say it was there was new information in it for sure for me but it really just kind of set in stone how slavery has just adapted to different systems throughout time in the United States and that it's really, it really never has gone away in some form. Um, And I don't think, you know, I think people are very in tune now to what's going on, especially with the most recent kind of movement, Black Lives Matter protests and things. I think a lot of people had a, a lot of free time to actually do some reading and research and learn Um, but I, you know, I can think back to myself being young, being a kid and even a teenager and in my early twenties and, you know, thinking how the civil rights movement really changed things and, uh, and not fully understanding kind of how systems have been created to continue forcing a form of slavery on black and brown people. 
So um, that song was, that song kind of drove the record. And then there were just other things. That was the first song we wrote on the record. Um, and that kind of really drove where we were trying to go with, with this record. So to go back just a little bit for people who don't um, (laughs) know your band as well, I just, I always like, and I say this, I say this every, every time I don't put, I don't put people on that. I don't when I'm, so whenever I, I get um, a certain person or a certain band, it's, it's something that I genuinely like and I'm, and I get jazzed about. So I end up, I end up like going overboard and like give in like, cause you and me live in like, literally not very far from each other and we don't we don't know each other that well so right. we we're like so i'm like get i get excited to talk to talk northwest hardcore and talk in just especially when it's like a band that's just it, when i just get excited when i hear a record so right. I, I i just kind of go i go i don't want to like uh go too overboard but i just you know i'm still i'm still excited about hardcore so um, right. <laughs> and this is, and this isn't a, this is an exciting, uh, just an exciting sounding record. So let's talk about the band and just kind of sure. the origins and how it started because you live in Tacoma, the rest, yeah. the, um, other members of your band live in, live in, um, Denver. Let's, yeah. uh, let's talk about how, how that all kind of, uh, happened, how that, how, how the band started and how, um, you kind of got separated and, in. in kind yeah. of spread your set and like went your separate ways, but still have been able to maintain the band. Yeah. So, um, I moved to, I used to live in new England. I've kind of lived all over. I grew up, um, in Northwest Indiana and then I moved out here, um, to go to college. I went to evergreen. Um, and then after about three year, three and a half years of living out here, I moved to Boston and I lived in Boston from like 2003 to 2010. So kind of like prime years to live in Boston and be part of the Boston hardcore scene. And, um, and then I lived throughout New England. I got married and then I got divorced. And when I got divorced, I wanted a fresh start. And so I just kind of randomly chose Denver to move to. I wanted to be near mountains and I wanted to be somewhere where I really didn't know a lot of people. Um, and I didn't at that time, like hardcore wasn't driving where I moved. Um, like it was when I was younger, moving to Boston, a huge reason was because of the Boston hardcore scene. Um, and so I moved to Denver and, um, I was having a conversation with, two of the guys from modern life is war, John and Luke. And uh, I was talking about how I missed being in a band. Cause I was in a band in Boston and they were like, well, why don't you just start one? And I was like, Oh, I should do that. But I don't know anybody in Denver. I just moved here. And then about a, about six months later, everything came out about uh, Jim Hesketh and Two weeks later, the last Bean show happened and everybody was kind of talking in small conversations about like misogyny and predatory behavior and stuff in the scene. And, but nobody was talking about it on stage. Um, 
I made a speech about it. Um, very impromptu, did not know it was going to happen. Uh, but I was more than happy to do that. But I was uh, very frustrated that nobody else was kind of talking about the elephant in the room. And after that, that's when I got really gung ho about starting a band because I just, there was so much, I mean, we were leading up to the election and I was very nervous about that. You know, it was just more and more was coming out about like misogyny and stuff in the hardcore scene, which wasn't like unheard of. Everybody knew about it, but just the fact that there were actually conversations about it. And so I met, I knew Chris and Matt shortly after I moved to Denver and then Matt knew Nick, our drummer, and he had just moved to Denver. And so we were like four people who didn't really know anybody, but all came from different hardcore scenes across the country. And I was like, let's just start a band. And so we did. And from the beginning, it was meant to be a band that was going to be very political, was going to talk about, you know, all kinds of issues, whether it be within the hardcore scene or within the greater community. Um, and yeah, so that was end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And uh, we recorded a demo and just started playing shows. And there are just so many shows in Denver that we were just able to play a lot. Um, and then in 2018, my partner, Joey, and I decided to move out here because um, Joey grew up in Colorado and didn't, didn't really want to to stay. He wanted to go somewhere else. And my, my thing was that I didn't want to move east of Colorado. If we were going to move, I wanted to stay near mountains. Um, and he loved this area. He loved the Seattle area. And I had friends here and my sister lives here and my parents retired out here. Um, and as a teacher, the pay in Washington is significantly better than in Colorado. So it just was kind of a win-win all around. Um, and so we moved out here in August of 2018. And like at that time was when our band really started taking off. And so it was a lot of me flying back to play shows or we would tour or the guys flew up here to, we did um, a Pacific Northwest tour and we did a West coast tour and then we did those two shows with the Feeder on Modern Life is War last December. And so it's been a lot of having me having to travel or them having to travel, but we've been able to tour, which has helped. Um, but now we can't. So <laughs> it's we, we at least have this record coming out that is like something to drive momentum for us, which is good. Um, so yeah, it's been hard, but we're pretty dedicated to doing certain things with this band. And so everybody's willing to put in the time and effort and money if needed um, to make to make it work. I think that's also like it's a it's a somewhat of a a mental hoop like that I never like <laughs> jumped before too, because it's like um I've I've known where I was in a band, like somebody moved maybe halfway across the state and then we were like oh i guess we just can't do the band anymore <laughs> <laughs> and and like 
I think uh, if you wanted enough, this is a good. This is just like a good example. Like if this is something you're super passionate about, um, yeah, it can re- it can uh, you know really work if you're if you're yeah. willing to work on it. And I think that's really cool. And also just a also for just because a lot of the times, like as you grow older, get or get into your professional career, if you still want to be a part of hardcore, that's that's part of a, a commitment you're going to have to make because yes. you, because more than likely you will have to move somewhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're making our band work. Joey is making, they're making their band. He's in a band called robbery and they're making their band work, which is that theirs is even crazier. Cause two of them are here. Two of them are in Denver and then there's singers in Philly and they're somehow like, still recording and putting out records and they had, you know, they were going to go on a tour this summer again. And so it's, it's possible. I mean, it does help having like a stable job with an income that allows you to be able to fly places um, and stuff like that. So, you know, it, we are fortunate in that way and, and having a schedule as a teacher, I mean, I have vacations without throughout the year. So it allows it, us to it's easier for us to be able to tour um because everybody kind of has flexible schedules in a way so we're i think we're really fortunate and so we're trying to take advantage of that because we do have the ability so why not and uh has how has like uh just been adjusting to just this the pacific northwest area (laughs) obviously you've talked we've you talked about like having um you know loving like mountains and beautiful landscapes and stuff like that. And I've seen, and I've seen like, um, you know, you, you going out on hikes and like, there's beautiful, like, I love, I love as far as like nature, like this is, Mm -hmm. this is the, this is the place to be. I love, like, this is one thing, like when there's no shows I've been able to go, like I went to Woodby Island, been to been out to the coast, like multiple times this summer. So like without shows and that, like without any other things, it's, it's, it's helped me be able to be like, I want to go to all these places. Cause I like, I like to be at shows, but yes. um, this is, I sometimes I've lived here my whole life and sometimes I forget how like beautiful uh, this state is, but you know, you mentioned, um, you know, Jim Hesketh and stuff. This like lens, like meant not only that, but around the same time was the end of one of our most like, important festivals um in the pacific northwest so a lot of people have you know with that people move uh move on uh or move out and the landscape always kind of kind of changes and it's kind of changed um at around the time that you've moved here so how has it been adjusting yeah it's been (laughs) it's been it's been okay. I'll be honest. It's been rough. I've had a really hard time because I was really happy in Colorado other than my job and like not really getting paid well, knowing I was never going to be able to like buy a house and like be an adult and being far away from my family. But with regards to like the hardcore and punk scene, it was huge there filled with young kids super diverse, like all types of different pumpkin hardcore. And everybody was just really accept, like welcoming of everybody else. 
And I, I felt that welcoming here going to shows. It's really nice. It's, it's funny. The first show that we went to, um, when we moved here, I just saw a post that I think it was today, two years ago was like a benefit at a skate park, like an indoor skate park, like in Fremont. Was I don't that, even remember the place. Was that the gag we, or the, was that the gag one or is that the, or was that the uh, fury? It was regional justice center. Okay. And I forget who else, but we went for regional justice center and we walked up and I was like, I don't know anybody here. I mean, I ended up seeing Chris Williams, which was really nice. Um, but I didn't really know anybody else. And we were just kind of standing there. And Ian uh, Sheldon walks over and he's like, hey, I like your shirt. You guys aren't from here. And just like started having a conversation with us. And it was really nice because, you know, Seattle in general has is known for the Seattle freeze where it is hard to make friends and whatnot. And it, and it can be, especially when you move somewhere when you're in your thirties, you know, it is harder to kind of get out and make friends because a lot of people are settled down with their careers and their homes and their jobs. And they already have their friend circles and whatnot. But I feel like the hardcore scene has been really welcoming, um, which is really nice. It's small, but I, I don't think that's bad. Um, you know, I don't, from the time that I lived here before, it, it feels similar in a way. Um, the shows have been good. I wish there were more local, like hardcore bands. There are a ton of awesome, like kind of more punk bands. Like Nasty is one of my favorite bands. Um, and like that kind of, that kind of sub genre of punk is really prevalent here, you know, and really great. Hardcore seems to like have, has, dissipated in a way or maybe I just still haven't fully discovered it um but shows have been really awesome you know we've we've met a lot of people everybody's really great um I've made some I've made new friends um so it it's it's been it's been really good um I'm glad that I have hardcore you know I I think about I was talking to my friend yesterday on our hike and how it's kind of weird when, when you're so engrossed in something like punk and hardcore and you have like conversations with normal people, like it's hard sometimes to connect because they don't understand, not just like the style of music you listen to, but like it really drives your values and beliefs. And like, so a lot of what you care about is go on things like Instagram and and Facebook, I see everybody I know in punk and hardcore posting about stuff, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of people that I know that are kind of quote unquote more normal just aren't, aren't, aren't quite there. And so I feel lucky to have this scene to be able to like go places and meet people, you know, like that's such a, a huge thing about hardcore is that it you get friendships because you find people to connect with. So it's been really good. Um, what's been hard is just like being away from pe- my, my best friends in Colorado and um, not being able to do as much with this band as I would like. Um, but yeah, this summer I've just been doing a lot of, I think I went on like 16 hikes 
this summer as a teacher, like you have a lot of alone time in the summer because everybody else is working and, you know, I'm not friends with a ton of teachers. And so I often get depressed in the summertime, spending a lot of time alone. And so I've been doing a lot of hiking and that's been really helpful. So I'm getting kind of everything that I had in Colorado here. Um, and, and I'm sure if there were more, if shows were happening, I would probably be feeling different than, than I am because it is such a huge part of who I am. Like having that brainstem fest in January was just like, it made me so happy to like, just be in a room with like a couple hundred hardcore kids who were so excited about the West coast and the Pacific Northwest and Tacoma too. So, um, so it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. That's it's, it's one thing is I feel like for Northwest hardcore, it's been the only thing I can like talk about. That's made me excited because like all the other things that were going to happen are not happening for a long time. So I'm stuck on that as a good memory (laughs) as like, this is, that's the one thing I have hold on to because it felt like, like entering my thirties being busy all the time. And like, then getting to like, really kind of have that feeling that I felt almost like a decade ago. Yes. (laughs) Um, go like when I, when I was younger going to rain fest and people would just literally come up to me and be like, Hey, do you want to, you're, you have a camera, you want to go film, you want to go film this festival and like, like get it just plugged into the, to this entire, like, culture like that's yeah. how i felt walking into that brainstem fest like yeah. I, yeah especially because it's the same it's this it's the same room as the viaduct uh yep. once once and and like that was i you could catch me there at almost any given day even if it was even if it was some like i don't know led zeppelin cover band i would be <laughs> i would i would be there volunteering yeah but uh, yeah, no, it's that's something I always like because I was very hopeful that that made me very hopeful for the future, and hopefully, like people will get excited again when we're able to. Because um, I know I know there's a lot of people, a lot of the uh, younger people, like the people, uh, my friends who uh, are in by all means. Um, yeah, all those kids have other separate um, bands. Like the whole the, there's a whole group of those people. Um, that are ma- that are making music and stuff, and that's, that's awesome. And uh, that's, that's great. And I'm really excited to hear um, what they what they come up with. And I know there's a lot of um, young people that have talked to me through this show and like are excited about hardcore. I'm like, just I was like, just please keep playing music for yeah. the love of God. Please, <laughs> just I uh, like they. I appreciate you liking the show and liking hardcore, but just just keep 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 writing riffs. Thank you. Thank, please, please, and thank you. Like, I want, I want, I want a hard, I want a hardcore scene to come back to. Um, oh God. Yeah, and I, you know, like when those first shows happen, it's going to be insane, and it definitely has made me like not take things for granted. You know, there were like a couple shows right before, like everything started in March, where I was like do I go or don't I go? There's so many other shows happening later on 
and I, you know, I went to some and I didn't go to some and now it's like, I should have just gone to a mall, even if they weren't like kind of a hardcore band that I was into. I wish I would have just gone, gone to them all. And I know I will, when it all comes back, you know, I, I, I will make sure I go to every show that I can go to because I don't want to take it for granted. So going back on uh hollow hope, um, yeah. it, it's streaming now and I've, I've listened, I've, I've listened to it a couple times and once again, it's out, uh, August 28th, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit, uh, about this and like, uh, kind of when it, when, uh, the recording and writing for this all started. Oh yeah. So, um, we got back from Europe last end of July last year and took, like probably a month and a half off just to chill because we had been going nonstop for a while. Um, and we had two songs that we were playing in Europe that ended up on the album, but then we didn't really have anything else written. And then um, Chris, our guitarist, he just started writing things. And at the time our drummer had just moved to Albuquerque. And so a lot of the writing of this album was done in like really intensive weekends where like the guys would get together. Like Nick would come up. I think he came up like, I think he went up to Denver like five or six times um, from Albuquerque, which is like, if he, he might've flown or he drove, if he drove, it was like an eight, eight hour drive each way. Um, and they would just do like 10 hour practice sessions on each day. Um, and then they would like call me with ideas. Um, and I, you know, I would respond with my thoughts and then they recorded some demos and we kind of tweaked things from that. And so like they were working on most of the album. And then when they came out here for our two shows in December, we practiced twice, which was really nice. And so we were able to like work out those new songs. And so we had, I think we ended up recording 12 songs. I think we had like eight written by February. And then when we got together, we got together the weekend before recording in February and wrote like three more songs um and so we had 12 songs that we had written very different than we had before where you know we would get together to practice every week and just like come up with ideas and this time we had to like do it in these chunks and I think it helped because it allowed the album to be a little more cohesive in a way um like it flowed differently and it fit together better and so we flew out to Oakland, um, middle of February and recorded in two days <laughs> with Jack Shirley at his studio, um, Atomic Garden East in Oakland. And, um, it was an amazing experience. Jack was super awesome. He gave like really good feedback, but like in a really nice way, you know, cause like sometimes people like sometimes engineers can like not give any feedback and you're like, do you really think that sounds good? Or do you just not care? Or they can give feedback and kind of be like dicks about it. Um, so he was really good at like providing the feedback in a really like dad, like way, like a nice dad way. Um, and so the songs, 
came out amazing. We had some friends do some guest vocals, which was super awesome. Um, and yeah, so we've been sitting on the record since like the end of February, having it done by the end of February. Um, because we just, once like COVID started, we were like, we cannot put this out in June. We have to wait, you know, we don't know what this is going to entail. And so we pushed it back till we felt like it, it was at a point where, um, where people were maybe slightly more stable in a way, or, you know, unfortunately like COVID is like normalized in a way. Right. So like it, it felt a little more, we felt a little more comfortable putting out a record. Um, and with everything that was happening, like with George Floyd and kind of the eruption of like protests across the country, we really wanted to put a lot of focus on that too. Um, even though there are things on this record that are very relevant, um, we just, we, we wanted to really put the focus on things that were more important than hardcore. Absolutely. And I think, uh, it, and I think I, I said it, uh, before it's like, this is stuff that will not go, unfortunately will not go away anytime yeah. soon and always will be somewhat relevant. It needs to be, it's, so it is like, um, almost like an shouldn't have to be, but it's a, it's a reminder that we got to really stay focused on what, on what is going on in the world and our country and in our, just our corrupt justice system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's uh, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I actually, my uh, well, actually wasn't leading to anything. <laughs> it, it was literally a uh, mental, a mental block. <laughs> I was just gonna say that you know it's it's the things that are going on are so much more more than just like police brutality. While like police brutality is obviously terrible, you know that comes from how we've built this system of policing and how we built the criminal justice system and how we built the education system and housing and all of that. And just like being, we need to be really aware of how ingrained it is in everything we do in the United States and how ingrained as a white person it is and like our bias of others. So, um, so we, we try to keep that at the forefront always of what we're doing because hardcore is meant to be this, you know, there's this like really great clip of Zach De La Rocha talking about how like hardcore is meant to be political. And like, we have an obligation to talk about these things. And if we're not, then it's just rock and roll. Right. And so I, you know, that was part of forming this band was like, I felt personally like hardcore had kind of gotten in general to a place where it was just about like riffs and moshing really hard and I just couldn't connect to that and so part of yeah part of starting this band was like wanting wanting it to the wanting our our social injustices to be at the forefront of of everything we do and say yeah, I I like you said like riffs and moshing hard is cool, but for me <laughs> it's like it's it's a real easy way for me like if there's nothing there that is like mm -hmm. that is evoking any real like emotion or like mm -hmm. or or like real thought 
it's not if it's not bringing that out i I feel like it's like easily forgettable because a nice a nice really full sounding record and just good cohesive writing is not always enough and i think that that is where you guys come in with you talked about jack shirley who has a um a um a pretty good resume with making full full really full sounding records and Um, he really did a great job with this. And I think if you can, if you can do both at the same time and be, um, you know, politically charged, bring something out. And I think you're, um, the vocals and the way you present, you way you present the lyrics are, um, really bring the message just up front with, um, that, uh, it, it really sticks, uh, really sticks out. Um, and, but also, it, there's nothing. There's definitely nothing lacking in the mu- <laughs> in the music. Um, yeah, like yeah. we've we've talked, and you've you've actually written some stuff for um, for the website from for the yeah. show, and um, we've talked about just how you kind of we've uh, you've leaned towards the more like um, you know like hardcore, hardcore, actually like punk, like stuff that's punk, but also on the same on the same. Um, level like there's it's a lot of stuff that reminds me of like the stuff i listened to when i started getting into um hardcore like some of your earlier stuff um really made me you know think of stuff like american nightmare and stuff and like and like early (laughs) early 2000s stuff that's punk but still has a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of layers and thoughts that goes out to goes into the music and it's not just rock early 2000s hardcore is like that is my that that is my holy grail of hardcore like suicide file and hope con and american nightmare and count me out and all of that i mean that's what really got me into hardcore you know i was i was like 20 when that first like ep american nightmare ep or full length or something came out and so you know that that was what that's what made me fall in love with hardcore because it was very emotional. And a lot of times it was political, but I connected to it because it was very emotional in ways that like made me feel things. So, you know, I think that's probably why it's a huge influence into, into what we are as a band. Yeah, no. And I, I, like I said, I love that stuff. It's like, like me going back, not, not, uh, personally getting to live through some of like a lot of the bands that I like were like literally just broken up or ending at the <laughs> same ending at, at the same time. So there was always like, um, you know, rehashes of, of stuff of, you know, like have heart or Vanguard yeah. out here um, in Tacoma. Yeah. And um, like, it's one thing I always noticed is like, like with that style, it's like, it, like I said, it really started with like, in the late nineties, early two thousands of just like having a lot of like still having a raw punk energy, but adding, yeah. just adding a little bit more just that. Yeah. And I really heard that with like when I first heard like in my eyes and then when, and then yeah. going from there. So yeah, it's, 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 it's good shit. Um, so dang, I had my, I had a mental, I'm having a, I'm having a couple, <laughs> um, um, mental, um, blocks because they keep throwing you off (laughs) no it's okay we kind of talked we kind of talked about how i just we just kind of let it let um we 
we let things go and we just go where we go where the uh we go where the uh the conversation takes us but what i i guess what i'm thinking right now is uh what are what are you hoping um people get out of this record or what's what's some what are some thought processes you hope to uh get out of like what what would you hope for any listener to get out of this new record hollow hope yeah i think that um like I like I said about all those like early 2000s bands, like what made me love them so much was the connection I made to them. And like, especially as a woman in hardcore, um, I do feel like kind of that those like hardcore punks kind of melodic bands were like vulnerable in a way, right? vulnerable talking about emotions and things like that and like I I felt like I could connect as a woman because they were being more vulnerable about who they were because hardcore is very macho um I don't think anybody would disagree with that no um, not even not the even scene is like 98 percent men still and so you know as a woman it it, it was it was hard, right, to feel respected and to and to feel like I was part of something. And I feel like when bands were vulnerable in a way, it, it, it allowed me to feel like I was part of something. And so especially at a time where there really were very few women, there were women in bands, but it was very few. I mean, we had to see you broken out here. And um, and so. I think what I want people to get out of the record is that kind of that same thing where they hear the vulnerability of a lot of it, because it is political. There are songs that are very straightforward political songs, but there are a lot of songs about like mental health and depression and anxiety and like losing people you love and, and, you know, feeling empty inside a lot and, and stuff like that, which I think is, I think that's very common for people who are very empathetic to feel when you're so empathetic, you feel things so deeply. And so when you're really sad or you're feeling hopeless, it's to an extreme. And so I tried to be really vulnerable in how I wrote songs. And so my hope is that people can connect to that in a way and they can, they can, feel that too because I you know it's it's quite cathartic to be able to listen to songs like that and, and make a connection but then it's also important to like take steps to be proactive and positive and make a difference in the world but also in yourself and so um it's it's kind of a hard balance to strike and and that's kind of where that album is it's very it's very much meant to be an album that makes you feel lots of different things. <laughs> and so I'm, that's kind of what I'm hoping people get out of it. And I like that. I, I'll, yeah. I'll be admit, I'll admit that I've, I've said that I've said that too. It's like, I want, I'm like, I don't mind to have a, you know, melodic hardcore and go to a show and like feel something in, in almost like, emotionally cry out the lyrics mm-hmm. back at the vocalist and i remember saying that to someone on the show and they're like uh, oh uh-huh 
like because there's like there's like the there's like a um there's a lot of people that like to brush off melodic hardcore i'm pretty sure you know yes. you you're you are fully aware of that and that, <laughs> I pe- <am. laughs> that people will like to oh amazing core whatever yeah. <laughs> and want to and want to uh you know put that up in a in a box and i'm like and put uh, sometimes like um brush it people like to people really be trying to to pretend like they don't like melodic hardcore when they totally yeah. do. And it's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it, it does come f- stem from what you're talking about a lot. Like there's no denying that this is, has still been a male dominated genre and there's yeah. still toxic masculinity is still v- very alive and people don't. And I feel like that's where like, Oh, something like, something that evokes emotion oh that's why i'm I'm going to reject emo yeah. and any type of like emotional music and i'm gonna put melodic hardcore up with that yeah yeah and it's it's i find that so interesting because like the best lyricists are people who are in those kinds of bands right because they they're also people who read a lot they're like very educated in ways where they're very like knowledgeable about the world. I mean, I just think of like, I can think of like Jeff Eaton from modern life is war, right? Super well-read all, you know, always trying to educate himself. He's writes poetry, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, you have Kyle Taylor from crafter who's like written multiple novels. And then you have Pat Flynn from half heart who also like, you know, education, like educating yourself and reading and like constantly trying to be a better person to all three of those people is like the most important thing. And I think that that's probably also, I'm just coming to this revelation right now, by the way. Oh, no, it's good. It's okay. I like this. Yeah. I think that that's like part of why I do love melodic types of hardcore so much, you know, is because it is so poetic in ways i mean even like american nightmare you go back and read american nightmare lyrics and like they are they are poetic in ways and so you know i i that's that's something that's super important for me and so when i listen to bands like sure your music can be good but if your lyrics like suck i'm probably not gonna like your band like if they have if they're super generic or they just feel like just kind of, I don't know, just super generic in ways or just like not meaningful at all. I'm probably not going to like it. I think it also comes from like, like two different sections of people. Like it comes yeah. from, it comes from uh surface, maybe yeah. a few other surface level, hardcore yes. sur- listeners who are just listening for the riffs. Yeah. Um, people who are, somewhat of a gatekeeper who only likes a certain style of hardcore and does not want to, and then uh, doesn't want, doesn't want to uh, accept anything other than what they listened to or their wheelhouse, or they don't want to, they don't want to let it in or, and then sometimes they reject it as a part of punk and hardcore or um, just people who are afraid of their feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so I, I, 
we full on expect a lot of people not to like our record (laughs) and we're kind of okay with that, you know, because it is what we care about and it is what we want to write. And, and so we don't expect kids like that to like our band and we're totally fine with that. Well, maybe hopefully they will learn. <laughs> like if they're just if it's just literally because they're afraid, hopefully they can hopefully they can learn to just like be cool with it cuz th- oh, this is good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. I'm I'm I lo- <laughs> So, um we talked a little bit about it um before um like off record we we've taught we discussed some stuff that you were discussing um online and i i just like quickly want to want to get to it and uh and acknowledge and acknowledge it because i think it's um super important especially like because as this show and i know i fail at this at times i want this to be a show and a thing that is inclusive to all literally all hardcore all types of hardcore all subgenres yeah. all and most importantly all people from all walks of life that want to be a part of hardcore cuz that's and that's super important if it's all one thing it's just so boring yeah. i want everybody to cut to be able to to come together and be able to express themselves in the way that they want to especially in punk and hardcore and what um and i admittedly at times have um have failed um that with my own privilege it's like we've talked we talked a little bit about privilege and being and just uh you know privilege allows you to be mm-hmm. so comfortable it affords you that that luxury of when you want to to think about something else you can you 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 can shift your attention yeah. and um that and it's an important thing to to try to unlearn or and also use for not yourself use for other people and this is like this i don't like this to consider this is my show because i like i all i do is like i just talk and tell people that i like their bands this is this is for (laughs) this is for this is for you Catherine. this is for all this is this is supposed to be a platform for other people's music i am just i am just the uh vessel so my i guess my thought is like Cause we talked about like small town, ta- like, you know, like smaller scenes and this is, yeah. has become kind of a smaller scene and yeah. how do, uh, I just want to talk about, um, a little bit about accountability, uh, accountability and equality and just like how we keep people, uh, just accountable and keep and ha and keep an inclusive scene when things are always like changing people grow. Like, like you talked about you and me, we, we're both like, I I would consider myself at ta- at times a, a an adult. I try my best <laughs> to be an adult. Um, so so I so I get in those modes where like there's times where I I only participate in hardcore through the show because I have to. Um, I'm providing for myself and my family, and sometimes yeah. I'll spend a few months. So, and with within that, we I've noticed. This is good. This is kind of a, obviously a loaded question because um, <laughs> I'm 31 and and we've noticed we've seen a lot of people in our hardcore scene far and wide um, be outed once again during this time. I've noticed a lot of it is 
um, males in my literally my age range, and it's something mm-hmm. like I've noticed. I I think that the younger generation has has become very more aware of this, mm-hmm. and that this is. I'm I'm guessing. I guess my my question is how what what do we do to to uh, what is our what's the best approach to to do things better when things open back open back up um, with yeah. an ever changing scene. Oh, it's such a good question. It's a loaded yeah, question. I'm sorry. It's a, it has so many levels. <laughs> it has so many levels to it. So I'm sorry. So I had many to, I had to... <laughs> yeah. I, um, okay. Where do I start? So I, <laughs> I've been, um, Joey has to listen to me often. Um, and he's actually like a really great person to like bounce things off of because I was kind of talking, I had made this post on Facebook about kind of just hardcore in general and how it is a boys club. And like when terms like brotherhood are used in like current hardcore songs, it just really irks me because I get, I get it. I get that you like feel close to somebody, but like at the same time, it tells me two things like, One, you're ignorant or naive enough to forget that not everybody is a man or you really are only choosing to be friends with men. And I, you know, like I've always been somebody who's had a lot of male friends. I just connect really well with men. Um, I, I think being in hardcore obviously has made it so that I've had a lot of male friends. When I first started in the hardcore scene, I learned very quickly how many of my male friends really weren't my friends when I got a boyfriend and they stopped being my friend, right? And so like my, one of my big things in in talking to Joey, you know, I was saying like record labels and like show promoters and stuff need to do more to like make sure that their lineups aren't just all men. And he goes, well, I mean, could you put it back on the actual people in the band? He's like, why, you know, and, and I thought that was really relevant in a way where I'm seeing it now where there's all these bands that have formed (laughs) during this quarantine and it's all men. And so like, that's one of my things right away is like, what can men do to expand their friend circle to include people that aren't just cis men, right? And what can you do to like reach out to people about forming bands? Because there are definitely bands I know where somebody did not know how to play an instrument and they learned how to play the instrument in order to be in that band. Like that can happen with a non-cis male as well. And so that's one of my big things is like a proactive approach of it where we need to be diversifying our friend circles in ways that we're including all walks of life or diversifying our bands in our scene so that it it is all types of different people. And I am seeing it more in younger kids. I think, you know, if I, if I think about Denver, like Denver is still very male dominated, you know, but a lot of the younger bands are being a bit more diverse in ways, diverse in ways, sorry. Um, And so 
I would like to see all of this scene do that. And, um, you know, I, I definitely have a slight bitterness towards seeing bands come out and do really well right away that are just like four old dudes who've been in bands before. And again, it's all guys who really just through connections are, you know, doing the same stuff or doing the same stuff they've always done. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And yeah. And it's like, uh, I very much am somebody who believes like, I I'm old now at this point. And like, if there's a point where there are younger kids who have better things to say, or, you know, like there are younger kids who want to play shows more, uh, like I will take a back seat to them. Like we try, we try to book shows whenever we play Denver with younger bands because they're like the future of the scene more than I am at 39, you know? And so I, I think that that's a huge thing is like being proactive in a way that we are expecting more out of bands and shows than just all men. Like the amount of shows that still happen that are all men when there are most definitely bands in those scenes that are not all men. You know, it's just, and, and, and it's not there. It shouldn't be a token thing, right. Where it's like, Oh, we got this one female on the show. Now we're okay. Like it needs to be like ingrained in what we do all the time as a scene, like take the time to actually go and listen to bands that aren't just your friends that are all men, you know, or go and see shows that maybe are outside of your wheelhouse of hardcore. And I think that that's, that's a way to help because I think I do think younger kids because of kind of the precedence that's been set now are more respectful to everybody in the scene. You know, I don't think that women are treated like they were, you know, not even five years ago in the scene. So um, that and a big thing for me is the accountability issue. Like, if you know, like uh, somebody from Gulch or Hands of God wrote this thing for No Echo that I really liked that talked about like the importance of bands having proactive conversations about like how they need to be treating people, how they need to be treating women, you know, what does consent mean? Like those kinds of things. Like I would love to see like a group of dudes sit down and have that conversation which is really uncomfortable for a lot of men because they don't talk about these things, but like it's necessary in a way. And so I would like to see that. I would like to see accountability in a way where like, if a dude, like I, like another example, like culture abuse with everything that happened with culture abuse, that band, their statement was like, so spot on of what it means to like take accountability when somebody in your band has been outed for behavior. And, you know, it was very much like, like we're breaking up as a band. This is what this account is going to do. Now we are going to take accountability for the fact that like we allowed him to have destructive behavior, you know, like I would love to see, men who are friends with other men that have done these kinds of behaviors, like 
step up and like do something to, to hold their friend accountable. You know, I'm a big believer in restorative justice. I am not somebody who just believes somebody should be written off or, you know, I, I, I was having this conversation with, with my friend Heather where, you know, it's, it's so interesting to kind of watch this call out culture happen in the scene where like somebody gets called out for a behavior and then they're ostracized and then what happens. Right. And it's, that's in my opinion, like a lot of these people who are doing that, who are ostracizing somebody are people who like are against the criminal justice system. Like you don't believe somebody should be put away in jail. So why are you ostracizing somebody else? And when we do that, when we ostracize somebody and we don't allow them the space to like try to repair the harm, we're no better. And so there, you know, I, I, I can think about people I, I've heard about who have been ostracized and then not given the opportunity to like repair the harm. And then what's going to happen to them? They're going to be bitter. They, they might get worse. They're, they lose, you know, a lot of their friendships, like, and then there are people who just go into hiding. Like Jim Hesketh is a great example of somebody who just went into hiding, right? Instead of like taking accountability and trying to like repair the harm and do everything that he should have done, he just went into hiding. And so it's, I, I it's, it's necessary for this community to like, figure out a way to hold people accountable for their actions, but also prove that we can live by what we say we believe in with the rest of the world by creating a space where people can learn and grow and become better people. Cause isn't that what we would really want out of somebody? And a lot of the behavior that gets called out, I won't say all of it, because I can think of some guys who were older preying on younger women. A lot of the behavior that I've seen are, you know, when, when people are like 20, 21, 22, when the scene was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when the scene was very, very much, you know, driven by misogyny and being able to look at women as objects. And so I think a lot of people have probably grown and improved. And that's also something we have to take into account. So there's like so many layers to what we can do. But I do think like those are all reactive. All of that is reactive. I think the most important is proactive. And that's making sure that we're diversifying everything about our scene in a way that like people will just be looked at as hardcore kids instead of like, you know, the hardcore dudes. And then I'll look at the girls that come to the show. So I just, I, that's what I would like to see. <laughs> uh, yeah. You said something like that on your post, just like if we could, pr- we could definitely reduce the harm by, ha- by being more inclusive and less yes. male driven a hundred percent. And I like, I literally a hundred percent agree with, I think like the one thing um, I talked um, to me and my um, friend, Jim, who's in the band, the scattering, we talked about um, just like our biggest thing is just as like males who were lived through that and like have are sometimes come in and out. It's just doing our best to 
be inclusive when we're there and being yeah. being self-aware because I think we were we're like as like family people we're like the biggest problem that we have is just not knowing like yeah. being being uh in our privilege and also <laughs> in our in our lives and just being like I didn't even know that happened this is one like you know, some of the bands are are bands that I don't even straight up listen like listen to that much. Like some of the bands yeah. are like a band that oh, I saw this band at Rainfest once or on tour in passing. So yeah, um, yeah, this is where I've I've always told people to like this is where if you know if you ever know something, this is this is this is definitely the place. Like I I want to I want to learn and grow and like if you know something about a band that I have personally played. Or I've had, please let me. <laughs> oh, I will tell you. Don't you worry. <laughs> and that's for every. That's for everyone. That's for everyone. I've um, yeah. Um, Tish from um with War. I've always taught um talked to them about uh about uh just like because they usually they always know like when mm-hmm. when they they have a lot more information and they've been able to. I was like, please let me know because I. That is a hundred percent something I I want to be held accountable for. I I you know sometimes you can't you can't know everything from from a Bandcamp bio alone. Right, right, yeah, and I I I agree with that. I agree with with us wanting to be aware of of bands and kind of like if they have shitty members or members who have done you know shitty things. I also. I was I was talking to my friend Heather again. My friend Heather and I have decided we're going to start a podcast um, awesome. <laughs> where we're going to talk about hardcore and we're going to talk about um, just kind of general political issues and have some of our friends on the show who are like doing things within their community to like raise awareness on different things like criminal justice system or like sex work or things like that. And so I was saying to her, like, uh, I, there was like a week time where like, I was kind of making those posts on Facebook because I had multiple people come to me about older dudes in the scene who like were in very relevant bands, but they're not really part of hardcore in a way anymore. And where, where I got to the point of like, I don't, I personally don't want to waste my energy on trying to get these people called out that are like never going to get called out because of like their status in the hardcore scene and where they're from, you know, cause there are certain places like at Boston hardcore is a place where there are plenty of older shady dudes that like something will pop up on the internet about them, like dating an underage girl. And then it goes away, you know, because that's a scene that just like is going to sweep all of that under the rug. And I just, I don't want to like spend my time and energy on trying to like get these people called out that like, honestly, people aren't enough. People aren't going to care that I would rather spend my energy on things that like I can make a difference on. And so that's where I'm trying to like, as a band and like, doing this podcast, try to do things that like are maybe going to make people more aware of things that might help them to be more well-rounded and more in the know 
of just kind of what it is like as a woman in hardcore or as like a non-cis man in hardcore um, rather than just the like kind of constant call outs of things. So I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I also we I want us to put our time and effort into things that like are going to positively make a difference instead of things that like are going to cause some issues and then just often go just like disappear and people forget about it. Absolutely. I agree with that. I'm excited to hear um, that podcast. And <laughs> it also comes yeah. just back to the just being more inclusive. Like, like yeah. it, it all, I feel like it all, like you made a very um, strong point of just like being, being more inclusive. It will change a lot of, a lot of things. And I, and yeah. I really, I really like that. Um, Thanks. So thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much uh, for, for taking the time uh, to talk about all this, talk about your band, talk about these uh, issues. I'm excited to uh, for people to hear the rest of this record. If you haven't heard it, it's streaming now on Stereo Gum. Um, you, and uh, you still have um, some physical copies for sale, correct? Yes. Yeah. Our second press. Um, pre-orders are still up. You can order it at deathwishinc.com. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, any last <laughs> words before we, uh, before we get out of here? Oh, um, we have a, we are doing a live stream. Oh yeah. That was on my uh, list. I forgot about that. Yeah. Talk yes, about that. that. Yeah. It's Saturday, September 5th. Um, we're doing a live stream on cult nation on their YouTube um, we'll post links. It'll be all over. And it's a donation based, like, well, you can just watch, but if you want to make donations, all the donations are going to our like favorite DIY venue in Denver called seven circle. Um, because we want to make sure venues like that are around when we are able to have shows again. So, uh, we're doing the whole, the new album in its entirety, and it will be it'll be fun. It will be it will be an occasion not to be missed. Are you are you going out to Denver for this or are they coming out yeah. to Seattle? Oh, you're yeah, going to Denver. No, I'm going out to Denver. Um yeah. And so we're gonna do that. And yeah, I'm very excited about playing. <laughs> oh, oh I bet. Like not having not being able to do it in, in so long. I mean uh, when's the last yeah. time you played? You we you- played in February, the day before we recorded in Oakland. So we haven't played in over six months, and that's the longest it's ever been for us. And it's yeah, we're very excited, dude. It I get so busy. It's just like yesterday for me was a was it just a sit down and be dep- like be depressed about like I'll listen to a band and their new record and I'll be like. Okay, it's really, really hitting me right now that I haven't been. And it's like that I love going out in nature and doing that stuff, but it may, but going to shows makes me feel so much more like myself. I agree with you. (laughs) I agree with you. Yep. So once again, uh, Fomp, their new record, Hollow Hope, will be out on Safe Inside Records on uh, August 28th. And uh, yeah, check it out. Anything else? Are we good? That's it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to get back to the music. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. So let's do Rushers, my young! Why don't you hold the one with me? 
Make sure to check us out on social media at DeadAirNWCZ on both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.com slash DeadAirHardcoreRadio. Well, here goes. Flower Chains Collective. I felt like I was watching a dream I'd never wake up from. DIY clothing you can't get anywhere else. Now you have something to look forward to after you die. Information at flowerchains.us.
that's about it for episode 105 of Dead Air. Um, big thank you from Catherine to Catherine of FOM. Um, check out the band if you haven't. Um, I hope you liked what you heard from the songs. Um, just it's going to be a really good record. Um, it's streaming now on Stereo Gum um, for you to listen to before you uh, check it out. Their uh, LP, their first LP uh, titled Hollow Hope. It's going to be out officially on Safe Inside Records on August 28th. So really, really, really check that shit out. Um, this week fuck oh it's, it's everything everything's coming by so fast um another big thank you to in doing it in the clutch um my man ian reese um of metal shop and x dead air um original dead air host um coming and talking with me is just really fucking huge um it's a very emotional time and just all around like the bad news keeps coming and this is a time where i want to spread a little bit of positivity i know it's like this a lot of times like how can you possibly be positive um and first of all um i i it kind of comes back to if i have if i have a free moment um and i have and i have um the privilege to really be uh to to have peace and calm in my life where some people don't i need if i have that peace and calm where other people's people don't that means i really need to use my privilege to just reach out and tell people that you know this is hardcore can be a community it can be um something to for everyone to come together i know it's very hard and um it's really really easy for me to say it it is easy for me to say it so um i hope that doesn't bring you down when i say that but i i want to be at least as a me personally and dead air as a show be a place where you can connect and talk with people and um feel heard whether no matter what your uh, participation is in this scene um, that you are loved and you're cared for um, when you don't sometimes. Because I have felt that way a million times, even in the scene where I felt like I'm alone um, in a crowded room of people, um, even with people that that are some, I'm somewhat familiar with. Um, and sometimes it's only the music that's helping me. So uh, big condolences once again to riley um and the family and everybody involved in the band and uh, much love to power trip um so shout out to fom shout out to power trip shout out to ian um we're gonna really quickly go through the last few songs we played um fom back on the wall once again on the hollow hope lp out on 28th on safe inside records um after that we played a band called No Man from Washington, D.C., um, a type of aggressive kind of dark-ish hardcore um, post -hard, uh, with some post-hardcore tones. Um, we played the first track off the LP titled Erase um, called Dive. After that, we played Restraining Order um, with a new song off the One Scene Unity comp that came out last week on From Within Records. Check it out. There's so many good songs on there, and we're gonna try to play some more within the next couple weeks. It's a really fucking, it's a really fucking good one. So I, I really hope that you guys uh, 
check it out. We played Worst Enemy. If you haven't checked out Restraining Order and you are just a fan of traditional, just straight up fucking hardcore punk that's really, really rooted in like 80s punk, check out Restraining Order. And they do it in such a really accessible package um, for, you know, even for like newer hardcore listeners and newer hardcore punk listeners. So check out One Scene Unity. Like I said, we'll play a few more of those tracks later down the line. After that, um, we're going to end it with some music from Be Well. Um, If you haven't heard Be Well, it is a melodic kind of emotional, another emotional band um, with members from Battery, Darkest Hour, and Bane. Um, Started uh, like around a year ago, and they just came out with their first LP titled The Weight and the Cost. Um, It's super, super catchy, hardcore. Um, Lots of... uh, Lots of kind of like clean hooks. It's I'm I'm really really digging it. It's definitely rooted in a lot of like uh, more, uh, more I would say sheltery, maybe even a little bit of rev summary style bands and post hardcore. But it's it is definitely wrapped in a hardcore package. So that's it for the show. Thank you so much. Um, we'll see you next week. <laughs>